You're listening to the voice of Howard Stern. Hello, you rotten little blood sucker. This is Alice Cooper. Hey, this is Justin from NSYNC. This is Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, hey, baby. Hellers are gay. Hi, this is Jack. Just back up from the border for a short visit. You know what I'm talking about, pal? Hi, I'm Michael Jordan. Hi this there and welcome to another edition of The Horse's Mouth. You're in The Horse's Mouth and my name is John Teague. Well, whoever you are out there in this wide, vast world called Earth that we reside in, thank you so much for lending me your ears. I super appreciate it. Now, I just had the good fortune of speaking with none other than Michael Judd. Juddy, or um, as known as the Red Dog. The Red Dog. And Juddy, if you're out there, thank you so much for coming over um, on a Sunday. I super appreciate it. I really do. Um, Now, for those of you that don't know who Michael Judd is, he is a um, bat out of hell, really. He's a force of nature and he's doing great things. Um, And I guess he's doing great things um, in our community here on the surf coast. Um, He's the founder of a... Um, a, a group called Dig Wellbeing. Now it's a, um, it's a, uh, I guess it's a men's, it's a men's sort of a, a group to get together. And uh, he has amazing guest speakers that come and and share uh, wisdom um, on on the group on different topics. And then everyone can sort of discuss what they've what they've brought on. It's, it's a way of furthering one's knowledge. Um, getting together within community uh, and and just a bit of a support system for blokes um, who I suppose inherently aren't as good talkers as the opposite sex. Now that might be a bit um, sexist, but I, I think you know. In general, we keep our cards a little bit closer to our chest. I mean, they don't call it, a, you know, I mean, it's stereotypical, but a mother's club meeting for nothing, you know, like dudes find it hard to um, break down the barriers sometime. And it's it's great. It's it's, uh, Juddy's created a great thing, uh, a great movement, a great group, a great support system for blokes to who want to further themselves. Um so anyway, look, I'll let Juddy um, divulge what happened. You know, like this was spawned out of grief, and it's it's and uh, Michael and uh, Juddy and Trace uh, they they lost their their daughter, and and this this movement has been um, spawned out of that tragedy. So I suppose from you know a tragedy is born a a really positive thing um anyway juddy came over and shared his story with me and it's it's a very touching story and it's a beautiful thing that he's doing with his life he's he's a force he's driven he has a um and he's trying to better society so uh thank you Juddy for coming over. I really, I really do appreciate it. And for the rest of you out there, um, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy uh, our chat as much as I enjoyed. Well, chatting with Juddy is he's, he's awesome, awesome guy. Really, really, just good energy, good people. So I hope you enjoy our chat. Now, this this lent me to, um, or led me to another. I had this written down. A friend of mine sent it to me the other day, and. 
it sort of stuck with me. Like I was like, that's that's cool, and it's a quote from Albert Einstein, but it's not like a quote that you would usually think. But Einstein was a really connected guy, and so the quote is: "A human being is part of the whole, called by us a universe." A part limited in time and space. He experiences himself in thoughts and feelings as something separate from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. This delusion is a kind of prison for us, restricting us to our personal desires and to our affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. Albert Einstein. I mean, isn't that epic? I mean, for me, that's it's pretty. It's pretty great. Einstein was such a what a renegade. <laughs> anyway, look, I hope hope you enjoyed or took something from that. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Juddy. I, I really we we go we go across. We we cover some territory and um and I had a great time talking to you, Juddy. So thank you. Anyway, rest of you all out there, I'll see you on the other side. Is, is okay. Interesting. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total parforama. Mum and Dad, um, I'm pretty sure they met uh, locally. I can't remember. Mum found her, herself picking it um, next door to my grandfather's fruit block, I'm pretty sure, when she was young. So she went there. I think my mum's older sister was already living in the region, Sunraysia, and mum was working next door picking grapes. I think it was like a working holiday. And um, she was staying at the farm next door, and she actually met my dad. You know, you can imagine this sort of... Little redhead fella. I think he looked pretty young with tight, curly red locks. And uh, I think he had an injury. He had a bad stack on a motorbike. And he had his shoulder, I think, um, heavily strapped up. And he couldn't move. So he was having time off work, working for his dad. And, uh, yeah, I think that's how the romance blossomed. Something like that. <laughs> so, and how old were they? So obviously oh, pretty young. Yeah, well, dad was like 24 when he had me. And yeah. uh, mum was 28. So... Um, yeah, I imagine he was probably only a whippersnapper, maybe 21, 22 when they met, if that. And so this is in the, what what, what year were you born? I was an 82 model. 82 model. Yeah, it's a yeah. good model. <laughs> it's, it's very much of that time, right? Like, you know, I don't know how old you were when you met your wife and you guys started to procreate. Is that the word? And, yeah. Um, were you older? No, so I met Trish, I was 22. But uh, yeah, no, there you go. Babies, that's, that's young. Babies at twenty eight, and I'll be honest, I wasn't ready to be a dad. You weren't. No, I didn't feel like I was still a lad and playing footy. Oh, sorry, I'd finished footy at that stage, but yeah, I still love the social life. Yeah, still love the sports. Um, I suppose at that stage, it was still heavily about me. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, I'm gonna okay. So let's go back. So you, you, your parents stayed. They were locals in that area. They did, yeah. So they end up moving um, up the into the township of Dare in this tiny little town. And um, I think I was four and a half. And uh, yeah, mum and dad bought their own fruit block. So they bought, I think, 40 acres of sultanas. Uh-huh. And my pop's grandfather and grandma's property was only a hop, skip and jump away. And then um, we end up running that as well. I think there was another 20 acres. And uh, my uncle was around the corner as well. And yeah, it was a great lifestyle, mate. Like, Thai community. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah, just 
sultanas everywhere. So it was like a, a block kids we were basically. Um, yeah, so our bus used to pick us up. We had to walk through a few fruit blocks to get to the, the bus stop and um, yeah, a bus would drive around and end up through an Aboriginal mission and um, pick all the kids up. Unfortunately, back then, I don't think the awareness was around. Like it was, it was terrible. It was like you know, white kids up one end of the bus and blacks on the other, and and yeah. But my mum, she did a lot of work with the indigenous community. She's a beautiful lady that works really hard, and still to this day does a lot in nursing homes and whatnot. She's got a big heart. But um, yeah, we'd go to the little school and do our thing and. For a town of a thousand, with all the the blocky kids, I suppose, or whatnot, um, the sports stars that come out of the community is amazing. Um, I don't know if you remember, but back Sydney Swans had like Jamie Lawson, we had Rotten Ronnie Andrews. I suppose I think Ronnie was in the eighties, like one of the big hard men. Um, we've had Mark Elvey played at Dogs, Essendon, um, Benny McGlynn that played at Hawthorne, Sydney. I think Heath James played at um, when Heffa Heffa was at Sydney. Uh, Richie Vandenberg, he was the Hawthorne captain. Um, and I think there's more coming out of this little club, like a tiny little club, but, um, yeah, I don't know. These, the farm kids have got go about it. What's in the water up there? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We used to joke you'd, uh, you'd do number twos in the Murrays and you'd laugh that it was going to South Australia. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, yeah, spent a lot of time uh, in our summer. Uh, I suppose, as a youth in the Murray, which was just amazing growing up. Just lifestyle design was amazing. So water skiing? Yeah, well, we started off, we used to go camping on the Murray so at good. Easter. And, yeah. Um, yeah, with other families. And then, yeah, as you get older, you, you find yourself with other crew, you know. So there's no beach, but there's sandbars, so yeah. you know, hanging out with crew on the on the sandbar. And well, there's, uh, there's beers, there's girls, there's good times, right? <laughs> so, what do they call it? It's river life. Or Have you seen the stickers? No. no, there's like uh, there's a whole thing that I suppose these days is like river life, you know. It's like it's a thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, I thought you were going like swamp life or something like that. Oh in the no. <laughs> no, 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 because my stepdad's from up um, Daniloquin. Denny, yeah, and they've got the Edward River, and like you know, it's all about the river life up there as well, you know. Yeah, uh, tins on the on the on the bank and skiing, and yeah, it's pretty good times, really. Oh, 100%. Like, I know a lot of people like fishing. I just don't have the patience for it, but... Do you know, like, I hear back in the day that the Edward, and I'm assuming that's the same for the Murray, was once clear? Yes, I have actually seen photos of it. Yeah. Crazy. That bend your brain a bit, like what we've done? Yeah, and also that, you know, introducing the European Cup that just stirs up the Is it the Cup? Well, I've heard that yeah. probably amongst other things, but, um, yeah, the river's are amazing especially like after the big floods i don't know if you've seen the floods that come through in the last year yeah 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 yeah. yeah i think they were close to being comparable to the 56 floods um it was sad you're seeing like golf courses go under and houses go under you've seen it at Echuca. um but what you do see out of living in a small community is community banding around each each other and yeah you know you'd say culture they're big-hearted people that you know they give their all do you think though that like like just looking at uh, I, I understand what you're saying and definitely like if you're around the footy club or you're you know like the clubs and stuff like that but farming uh, I'm not sure about sultana farming but farming uh, is a fair solitude act yeah and so farmers I would say spend a lot of time alone internalizing and if things aren't if things are good probably great and things aren't good it's not a great 
and, and farmers are very cockies, as they like to be known. Yeah. So, yeah. You, know, uh, you know what it's like. The old school Australian male, it's hard for them to reach out. Uh, do you think that that's... Oh, 100% it's yeah. proven. Yeah, like you, you do see the good years, but um, I don't know, I've seen probably more bad years. I remember 1990, mum and dad, um, so they didn't have the fruit block that long, maybe four years or so, they lost their whole crop. And um, I remember like probably didn't understand at the time, but yeah, just couldn't get, you know, shoes and everything was hand-me-downs, which I didn't think any different from, even my jocks, right? And we had a great childhood when I look back on it. Um, but I remember even at one stage just paying the bills, mum and dad took out a massive overdraft to keep things running. Um, and, yeah, I remember even we had a, a thunderbox, an outdoor toilet, right? Yeah. And just to go to the toilet, it was like, no, no, outdoor toilet is for number twos, boys, in the fruit block between the vines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that. But I don't know, it sort of it made me. And, like, I remember, um, like, even work ethic, dad putting his arm around me under the veranda out back one day and I wanted a motorbike, Teggy. Oh, I fucking get it, man. I get <laughs> yeah. it, yes. At DS80, I had my oh. mind set on this little two-straight thing. And, yeah. And... Uh, they were yellow, right? The DS, were yeah, they? Yeah, I think so. The one yeah. I got, I think, was an older one, but it had an orange tank. Um, but Dad put his arm around me and he pointed. He goes, do you see it? I said, see what? He goes, your motorbike, it's out there. And I said, Dad, all I see is fruit vines, sultana vines. And he goes, I see it. He goes, look harder. And he goes, you go out there every day and work like a man. I'll pay you like a man. And uh, he was true to his word, mate. I, uh, I ended up getting a, a secondhand bike, but it was brilliant. Um, and that just taught me. is like you visualize it and anything you want in life, visualize it and you get after it and you work for it, you can have it. And um, I suppose that's probably... You know, that formed me. Um, what a you know. great lesson. Oh, 100%. My grandfather was like that. So even from when I was four and a half, five, I'd be out picking grapes with my grandfather. And I used to hate him filling my bucket because I'd count my own buckets. It was like a competition. And um, we would race other workers down the, I suppose, down the, uh, who could finish their roll of vines the first and how many buckets. And it was amazing. Like mum and dad would have. Oh, you got a question? Yeah, go. Is great. Is the sultana harvesting the same process as harvesting for wine? It's an. It's a really good question. So it used to be we would pick them, hand pick them, and then you put them in a bucket, and then dad would drive down the rows with a trailer, and you'd have a cartman, so to speak, and they'd stack the buckets, and almost in a pyramid shape, and we'd get a hundred buckets on a trailer. Amazing, and if they dropped off, you could see the old man was going to. Uh, if they fell off the trailer, you'd get to get upset. You know, there's a bit of money sitting there. But um, then what you do is you drive the trailer to these massive drying racks, and they were tiered, so you'd probably have eight to ten tiers. And then the cartman, it was very labour intensive. He'd have to throw them onto the racks, and then you'd spread them out. Over, racks could be hundred metres plus long, and then they dry naturally, and then they'd spray them. And then you'd have a machine go into the racks and then shake them off, and then you'd have to put them onto drying tarps, and then my grandfather invented a machine locally where the basically the tarps of fruit would actually go up this conveyor belt and get dumped in a bin. Um, but now, mate, they summer prune, so basically they go through and they cut the canes and then they'll go through and spray, and then a harvester, like wine grapes, would run through a lot of the time and, and shake them off, whereas table grapes, I'm pretty sure that they still pick them by hand. You know, the table grapes you buy at the shops. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yours is going into Sultana Brown? Yeah, well, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, Sunbeam, and I think there's a couple of people Dad sold to. But after this, like, Mildura was known for its dried fruit, but I think speaking of Dad in the last few years, there's probably only a handful of Sultana growers left in the region. Like, it's mainly wine grapes now, or people are getting into watermelons. Watermelons? Oh, yeah. Almonds aren't... uh, Almond uh, farming is supposedly... It's really... Needs a lot of water, right? I heard, like... Again, don't quote me on this. Is it like seven litres for an almond or something stupid? Um, and what you do see is like big, um, you know, super funds or big fun, uh, companies now buying out smaller um, fruit blocks, so to speak, and the water right is worth more than what the land is. Yeah, that's more. totally, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, what, yeah, water rights. It's like, uh, yeah, when my stepdad got out of his property, like part of, what, what do they call it? There is... Um, Trading? Yeah, water trading, but there's a there's a term for like when you yeah each year you could sell your water what you didn't use back to the government and then the next year around buy it again and like it's fucking uh, cloak and dagger shit because what sent a heap of farmers under to stop me if I'm wrong you'd probably yep. know the story is one year like it was a, a fair thing farmers to get equity for the whatever they needed would sell the water back to the government the water um then the next year once they'd use that money to do what they had to do they'd rebuy going maybe going to debt buy the water back at the same price yeah. or thereabouts and then one year not that long ago they sold it and then the next year they wanted like four or five times more than what it had been mm-hmm. and so anyone that had money didn't need to sell their water suddenly their water was worth heaps that they didn't sell and any farmer that was a little bit on the, and wanted some extra capital was fucked because they couldn't afford to buy the amount that they had sold do you know this story yeah yeah, yeah. i know a lot of farmers have struggled locally with the prices i think it's and again, oh, I do speak with Dad intermittently about this, but maybe it's like ten grand a meg or something like that. But traditionally, it used to back in the day, I think it was two thousand, but it's just gone up, you know, exponentially because um, there's money to be made in it, right? Well, and I don't think politicians have to expose if they own the water, right? You know, they can. It's like a, it's like a, a stock. Yeah, we can temporarily temporarily trade it, okay? Or you've got a permanent water right, but once you sell your permanent water, obviously you've lost that amount of water. So Dad, I know, does trade some year to year. I know some people make more money out of their trading. Like so, instead of buying now, some blockies will sell their their land, but they'll sell their water off separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does the farm come with the water or not? Is a big hundred percent. Yeah, fucking crazy. Oh, it is, mate. It is, and. You know, for a country, that food bowl that we have, this, in my personal view, is right from what I've seen and experienced, but we don't seem to look after our farmers like we should. Uh, yeah. Like, and you could, that's all aspects of farming. Like, I work in Queensland, I see, you know, drought. I've seen drought with mum and dad. Um, but the food we have, you know, it's amazing. We're, we're world class, but I don't think we're world class in supporting our food bowl and our farmers. Uh, there's a big like I think America treats their farmers a lot better than subsidies. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is wild. I don't get it, mate. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. But I, look, I have seen the hard yards, like you're alluding to earlier, and um, yeah, a lot of farmers do it tough, and I think that speaks in the suicide rates when you see the farmers. You know, they're these tight community or small communities, and you know, blokes don't seem to uh, to reach out for help and. Until, you know, there's crisis and unfortunately we did experience that in the community a couple of times. Um, I have seen it in the wheat communities. I've seen it in the cattle industries. Um, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm all for mate. Our farmers, you know, we've mm. got we've got this great big land. You know, it should be in abundance for us, for us all. It, it's funny though, like you know, I suppose it comes down to the personality. But you know, I've done a fair bit of work on. You know, grew up on a farm till I was thirteen, and um, I've done work over the years for my stepdad on his farm during mm-hmm. harvest and what have you. And then, uh, whenever I spend too much time alone in a tractor, yeah, I get a bit screwy. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the solitude isn't that great for my mind. Mm-hmm. I start to make up stories, and you know, like uh, I, I crave interaction. I think. Yeah, I do, and I, I know that. And, like, suddenly I'll get on the phone, I'll ring someone, I'll be like, what? and they're like, dude, you just been in the track for too long. Just shut the fuck up. It's not actually that bad. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, harvest time wasn't like that. Like, um, Well, back- no, maybe not harvest. Like, if you're disking paddocks or yeah. sowing or do something where it was repetitive and you're alone, like harvest, there's people everywhere and it's fun. That's right. Yeah. It's like quite fun. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it is a lot of time by yourself. So I remember walking to school, you'd see Dad out on the tractor, or, you know, he'd be um, tying up young vines or, you know, wintertime pulling canes off the, you know, off the trellis. And and then after school, you'd still see him out there, right? And with my grandfather, and I suppose where it's gone now is you'd used to have a lot of backpackers would come through and work. And Dad can only really get pensioners these days to come out and work. Is that right? 100%. Well, how come? Because what? People don't want to do the physical work. I don't know if the... The wages are there, and obviously it's all relative to what the farmer, their income is, I suppose, as well. But um, So pensioners? 100%, mate. Are they doing it for fun or are they doing it out of need? Yeah, I think that and also some purpose as well, right? But they're not, a, they're not scared to work. Like, it, it, it's, yeah, yeah. as you know, it's pretty physical work. Yeah. Um, I remember, again, another story. There was a Japanese school exchange at school, and I remember saying to mum and dad, I'd love to go, right? So we had a billet come over, and I remember them taking photos of the outdoor toilet, and um, it made sense the next year when I went over. <laughs> but uh, they're like, well, if you want to go, you know what you got to do. So, yeah, after school, I used to go out there and rip the canes off the uh, the vines before footy training. It was cold, and you'd get smashed in the face. And I actually turned it into a bit of a game, gamified it, I suppose, in my head, and Anyway, yeah, true to their word, they paid me like a man and uh, I got to go. But, uh, yeah, I remember going over to the um, staying with the Japanese billets. It was beautiful, big house in the hills. And all of a sudden I get into this toilet and I would have been 14. So used to the outdoor, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. the Thunderbox and then get in there and there's like all these buttons and I was like, was well. There music? No, I don't think there was, <laughs> probably from my end. But, um, yeah. yeah, I remember there's like, you know, you can squirt your bum and <laughs> it's got a heat, a seat warmer. I didn't oh, want to get off it. so good. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is out of space. So they were taking photos. I was like, I've got to take photos and show mum and dad. They're not going to believe this. Like, yeah, that was a cool experience. I remember. <laughs> wow, that is a cool experience from, you know, outback Mildura to Japan oh. at a young age. It's, it's a mind bend. A hundred percent, but my parents was always, if you do the work, yeah. we'll support you. And still to this day, they're no different. Um, just those good country values. So good. A hundred percent. And so football for you was a big part of your childhood as well, the DS80 and football. Oh, yeah, I had the, the 50Z first, but, yeah, I had cars, guns, you name it. Like, yeah. like Pop was a mechanic, so. Was I, he? Yeah, I was, like, so hard on cars and bikes and i remember my dad pulled me up one day and goes son stop breaking things and hard on the gear yeah and then pop pulled him up and go hey do you remember when you were a kid dad never said a word after that <laughs> it's like, but the thing with my dad and he's handy with mechanics where i just wasn't interested 
But uh, yeah, I'm terrible at it, but I'm super interested. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, back to footy. I loved it. Um, yeah. It just. I think it played under nines. Was no odds kick then, and then yeah, went up through the ranks. But uh, just kept breaking bones. So it started off. I remember my first year, year seven. It must have been the first round or two. But um, oh, first off, sorry, I got my hand caught in some farm equipment. So the boxing up machine that my grandfather made and sold in the region. I um, you had to feed the tuck the sheet in. There was this big conveyor belt, but my fingers got stuck, and it actually wrapped my arm right around the conveyor belt, right up to my shoulder. And then it was actually my sister's was eleventh birthday and dad mum and dad's whole wage for the whole year was sitting out on these black tarps right they weren't leaving so i wasn't going to hospital <laughs> so what happened was it put dad in a bit of a tears but they gave me i remember i think it was lemonade um icy pole and back then we used to get like bottles of soft drink delivered to the farm from the drinky we used to call him and they sat me down with some soft drink and they said you'll be right son we're got to get this done and i remember pop had to leave earlier so he took like um I know, Majora was like 20, half an hour away, took all these kids, I think it was like 12, 13 girls to Pizza Hut when Pizza Hut was around. And I think I got to outpatients about 11, 30, 12 at night and my hands were mangled and nothing gets mum or dad, I get it. But they, mum's a nurse, so they assess me, yeah. put the cartoons on and I was still in shock and yeah, they got me in later that night, I remember it. But uh, So what was it? Yeah, oh, my hands was, because it was just like, it went in the conveyor belt. It was like mangled and broke all my fingers, broke the radius Fuck. in the ulna. And then I come good. They straightened it out. I had a plaster up to my shoulder. Me being me and how I go about things. It was like um, 13 weeks, I think, in plaster. Mum would know better. Four games, but my fourth game back into footy. I started flying. I was under 13s and loving it. Um, my captain stood on it in the forward pocket. And oh. went, it went through both. Oh. I remember running off and I remember mum. I was like, oh, no, I could see mum running to the interchange. I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble here. And mum running, what have you done? And she's run onto the bench and sure enough, back into hospital. So all year seven pretty much was um, left hand was in plaster. And then year nine, I got a kick in the hand trying to smother the ball. Broken right hand. Um, I did get the name Spaghetti Arms at school. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then at 21, I got the ball at the end of the thumb. So I've got pins in the right thumb. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I broke an ankle wakeboarding. I ripped a bicep off plumbing, lifting a solar tank. Um, had a knee clean out. So hold on, plumbing. You you were a plumber? Yeah, yeah, by trade. Um, so let's back this up. So you obviously that sport was a huge part of your childhood. Yeah, and uh, schooling. Mm-hmm. So how were you at school? Dyslexic, to tell right, you the truth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> short attention span, so all the reports are pretty much the same. Michael mm-hmm. gets distracted easily. Mm-hmm. Used to sit behind my sister because, like, she was a year below me, but, um, yeah, you'd throw on stuff at your sister, which, you know, it's not on, but... Just you and your, is, how many siblings? Uh, three, yeah. So Including sis- yourself? Yeah, yeah. mum and dad, yeah. So sister's 18 months younger. Um, g'day, Beck. And my little bro, Sam, he's down here. I think you met Sam. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, You can't miss him. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. He's seven years younger. Um, Oh, my youngest brother's seven years as well. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what happened was um, I was going through high school and I did work experience in Mildura as a plumber, so I'd bought a ride into town, into Mildura, have to get the bus home. And uh, did, sorry, did the work experience and absolutely loved it. Like, you know, at smoko time, you get me a pie. And I think I was like 14, 15. I looked like a baby. 
And uh, yeah, first work experience, I was in plaster. <laughs> um, but yeah, just loved it. And then I went back in my school holidays and asked if I could donate my time. And I suppose I had the idea of, well, if I put in and show my wares, I'll get a job out of this. And and what happened is, I think it was like August, I got a phone call from um, the plumbing store or franchise and they said, uh, Michael, we'd love to have you on as an apprentice, but yeah, we know you're in year 10, but we need you now. So it won't be there at the end of the year. It's out of you or another kid and yeah, you know, you have a swing. So would you, would you like it? So I sat down with dad out under the back veranda and he'd always give me like three choices. He asked me and he's like, are you going to go through to uni? He knew the answer. And I said, no, I had no interest in school. I just wanted to play sport, footy and and uh, do what I do. And um, yeah, so his choices were carpentry, electrical and plumbing. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I took up the plumbing apprenticeship, but I did say, I said, look, I've got a sports carnival coming up, an inter-school one in Broken Hill. I'd like to do that. And I uh, used to be a bit of a competitive beast. I was pretty small, but loved to run. So um, yeah, I think I got the, I think it was in year nine, we got the senior boy champion in that, in the running. I think I was in plaster. <laughs> I was and, always and you, in plaster. And you got the champion. Yeah, yeah. So when I run now, I carry the left hand, the left arm. You can actually see it. Yeah, wow. Probably spending so much time in plaster on the left arm. So you bounced out of school to do the plumbing apprenticeship? Yeah, so I was just 16. I didn't finish year 10, which didn't worry me in the slightest. But um, it's probably when I grew up and I really started to learn, like probably getting around older men. So that rite of passage, it definitely helped my learning style. It really suited me, and just these older blokes, you know, there was a lot of banter, and they made it fun, and they loved their footy, like local footy, and they'd come and watch as well, some of the boys. Um, yeah, it was just the rite of passage, right? They they seen that this young kid, and it was dyslexic, but, you know, it didn't matter how good your spelling was when you were a tradie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean? yeah, I do, yeah. Um, and I got my, being in New South across the border, I actually got my licence at 17, so as soon as I had my licence, I had tools, and I was off and working. And so I'd even do, like, on call before I played senior footy on a Saturday. Um, it was amazing. And so I was, like, a full-blown or qualified tradie at 20 and a half. That is incredible. Yeah, and just a sucker for punishment. So I ended up following a partner I had at the time. She was studying forensic science, so I moved to Geelong. And I loved the bright lights. I was a little bit of a lad. And so, uh, yeah, me being me, I went and did another trade and did carpentry. So I did four years of carpentry. Fuck off. You are <laughs> yeah. a plumber and a carpenter. Well, I fucked up twice, mate. I should have been a sparky to tell you the truth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so back it up, why do you say that? Oh, mate, just for the electrical and the pathway. So if there's any young person listening, um, look, you only need a screwdriver, pliers, and a cordless to be a, to be a sparky. You earn good money. It's cleaner work. Um but yeah, look. The, <laughs> My brother is a, a carpenter and a builder. He's like, oh yeah, dude, they just yeah. rock on site. They're all clean and hair's all nice. And oh yeah, so like he's like, <laughs> they do claim to be the Sparky's a smarter race, but you know, just with it going into high voltage or instrumentation, it can be a general Sparky. Or there's so many different pathways. Being an electrician, and I suppose now with the um, the energy transition as well, just there isn't a work in abundance to be an electrician. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I do deal with a lot of sparkies at work and, um, yeah, there's always banter, mate. But, uh, yeah, great trade. Look, any of those trades are, are good trades. They just teach you fundamentals and principles. Yeah, t- totally. I mean, not that I've got one I work on. I wish I did, but I don't. But I understand what you're saying. So you're, you're in Geelong. You followed a, a lass down here yeah. and you started 
carpentry. Yeah. Man, yep. So you're back doing, getting paid nothing uh, yeah. when you could be getting paid a lot of money being a fully qualified plumber. Yep. You went back. What was the catalyst in that? That's To me, that's crazy because you go through an apprenticeship to get the, the, the gold at the end. Yeah. Well, I was only 20 and a half. I had a little Subaru Brumby ute. <laughs> and um, <laughs> mum and dad were always good. They'd take money out of my wage each week. So the plumbing wage to start with, it was like 182 83, I think the take-home was for a first year back in the day plumbing, but come out qualified, maybe it was like 560 or something a week. And But the bright lights and I always wanted more and I knew that, you know, the footy in Geelong was great quality. Um, yeah, and just the city. I always wanted to go to the city and experience it. So for me, Geelong was big city and Melbourne was an hour away. And, um, yeah, my partner at the time and her brother, which I was mates with, I played um, footy with him. I thought, wow, let's go and experience the bright lights. I was only 20 and a half. I had nothing to lose. And, yeah, so I went back on that. I remember living off nothing and fueling up with all the silverware I had, my change from the, you know, the weekend's events. And, um, again, I did, what did I do, two and a half years domestic. And then things turned around when I started doing commercial carpentry. Like I did some jobs at, uh, where was it, Ford, uh, Deakin Uni, um, where else is at the army barracks in the main street of Geelong and just love the, the commercial industrial side of things and then qualified at that. You know, I was only 24 and a half, 25. You know, I started, I got a job doing cladding and roofing on the Melbourne Convention Centre, the wheel, and that sort of led to, um, yeah, working away at the Vic Diesel plant and things just, yeah, like I had a dream of just working on mega projects and actually studied and, did a Cert 4 in uh, OHS. I so, hold people. on, the diesel plant down in Wontaggy. Yeah, great times, mate. Good surf. and Yeah. Um, yeah, that was amazing. I think that at one stage there's probably like 5,500 people on site at once. So, after work, um, yeah, I remember like doing a Cert 4 and I struggled. I didn't even know what Control C was like to cut and I just battled through. Like when I was at school, we had a black and white Mac and um, – I just really struggled. I had this laptop, but I remember the year after I did my diploma, so on a Wednesday I'd finish it. What time was it? Oh, maybe 3.30, a little bit earlier than 5, and I'd drive into Melbourne two and a half hours to do the diploma, and some people showed me a few little tips and tactics and some hacks, and I was like, oh, wow, no wonder I was struggling. And, yeah, did a diploma and then did TAE my time off, and after that, yeah, I followed the company to Queensland and started working away, FIFO. So that was 2014. And so um, now Trish is your partner now. Yeah. Yeah, so, you met her which part of this leg of the journey? Oh, I met Trish back at 22. So um, the girl that I followed, things never worked out. Lovely girl, but uh, wasn't meant to be. And, yeah, met Trish at the Barking Dog one night. Um, the Barking Dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dodsy had it. Um, signing me up for footy, actually, and... They got too many drinks into me, I think, when they signed me up. And um, why you did say about going back onto poor money, um, I needed the cash. And it was to go from South Bar and Inverley. I think it was a couple hundred bucks a week. Not that I wanted to leave the GFL, but um, I needed the cash. So you, you, your footy was pretty big. I loved it. Look, I was a good runner, um, could grip my teeth, and anything in life sort of just pushed through. I'm not overly talented, mate, but, yeah, just... I suppose, just a will and drive to get things done. What was your posse? Rock Rover? I was Rover, pretty small. Rover, yeah. A bit light, used to get belted around, but 
Yeah, the leg, red dog used to like having a crack, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I met Trish that night. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, when we, so that was like 22. We are engaged at uh, 24. And uh, yeah, married 26 and had our first at 28. So when I worked, went down to the D-cell, Lani, our eldest child, was, um, yeah, she was only eight, 10 months old. When I started working away, and I just said to Trish at the time, just give me five years on these mega projects and we'll set ourselves up for life. And um, yeah, it did. Obviously, uh, I got thrown a bit years on the Vic D cell plant, which was amazing. Um, but definitely for a young mum being at home alone, that was really tough. Yeah. And at the time, like for me, um, yeah, I just wanted to I set the family up and have a swing. So. You know, we'd build a, just build an investment property in Torquay, which we planned to move in, but because I worked away, we didn't move into it. We are living in Grovey at, at that stage. And, yeah, and then, um, yeah, we're having a go investing and um, just because I had some mentors locally that were doing that and I thought it was the right thing to do. So, hold on. You had some mentors locally. How does this come about? Like, yeah. I'm interested because you talk about it so cavalierishly, but it's, I think, for the average Hunter, the, the word mentor is well for me. I understand it today. Rewind twelve years ago, I, a mentor would be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. And, you know, so, how did you meet these mentors, and how did this come into your play? You're obviously very open. Yeah, more so these days, T. No, I know these days. When I'm coming to these days, but like back then, you obviously were open too, because not every person does a plumbing apprenticeship and then goes backwards. And does a cup, not saying backwards, you can see a bigger picture, it's actually going forwards, but most people will go, I'm here now, and now I'm in the money, and I'm moving forward, but you step backwards, and you also have mentors. How, yeah. how did this come about? I was always one of those people, um, like, if seen someone else doing something, I was like, oh, I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah, so I was like, all right, I'll have a go. And probably because we, um, like... At the time, I probably thought we didn't grow up with much. And I look back and it was a very, we lived in abundance. We had everything, like so much love. There was, it might have been the latest and greatest, but mum and dad still to this day give you the shirt off their back. Um, But dad always said to me, you know, and my grandfather and mum, if you want something, go get it. Mm. So I remember mum, like we had an old tub of a speedboat. She cleaned houses after working on the fruit block and she's a nurse and doing whatever she needed to do. And years later, we got a new, brand new speedboat. She got it done. Um, that's that's how we take care of business, mate. You you want it, go get it. So, but mentors, some people have just sliding doors moment come into my life, and um, he's like an older brother to me now. But uh, yeah, I just seen what he was doing investment properties. Like, oh, Juddy, why aren't you doing this? I didn't even know what principal and interest loans were back then. T, you had no idea. Mm. And, um, yeah, he sort of just gave me some advice. And then some of the guys I was working with at the time, one of them in particular was doing very well for himself, lives locally. And uh, I went to sign a loan. I remember doing it fixed. He's like, don't do that. You know, do this. And I went in there. And I remember even with the bank that, you know, they were telling me I had to get a better rate. So I strategically parked my old Rodeo out the front of the bank in the window so they could see it. Had a canopy on the back and went in there and I think I had 20 grand to my name or something like that and told him how I was going to build townhouses and get this done and end up walking out with nearly a whole percent off the loan. And But again, just people telling me you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm. And just giving me guidance and advice and knowledge is empowering, but only if you act on it. And uh, just something is like that imperfect action. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, yeah, and people continue and more so now. I just like to seek out people that look at things differently and do things differently, and um, yeah, that's just it's always happened, and that's how I started working away. I met people that were working away, and at the time, you know, you seem that they're doing things a certain way, and I like the look of that. So why not? I love it. Good, great. I'm glad that we're having this conversation yeah. because honestly, like, I, I don't know. I feel I, I squandered a lot, a lot of time, and not that I'm really doing anything different at the moment. But I, I've changed a, a lot. But I just wish that I hadn't have been caught up in a, a mind frame that I was caught up in when I was younger. You know, I, I yeah, yeah. It's funny. It's we've all got our own different roads, our own different set of challenges, and it's all you know. You can all look back, and every single person, no matter who it is, probably go, "Fuck! I wish I'd have done that different." You know. I've got a good quote for you. Go. Let's have it. Let's have it. The windscreen is bigger than the revision mirror for a reason. Keep looking forward, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right to you. Fuck know, it. Yeah, to I was look just like, back. is the windscreen dirty? <laughs> Am I in the? What's going on here? Well, you know, it's all right to look in the windscreen mirror, you know, and um, you know, reflect. But you got to correct, mate, and that's the way I look at. I got a little an old nineteen seventy two combi, and I always pitch myself when I get down, or you know, look out that big that big windscreen. Have you got a combi? Yeah, 1972 <laughs> low light. It's a uh, burnt orange. It seats the Hawaiian sunset hair. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have it at home? I do, mate. I do. So, and I is it garaged? Yeah, yeah. Great. I get yeah. Nothing more of a kick than taking people for a ride. Awesome. Yeah. So I got the uh, the low light, the microbus, just so we could um, we could take people with me. I I love people, and uh, yeah, having conversation like this, like this is what I thrive on. Yeah. Okay. So. Let's let's say you looking. You've got mentors, you people who are guiding you. You're building a house in Torquay, mm-hmm. and Trish has been looking after your firstborn while you're working at the D cell and getting set up. Yeah, and um, and and then you finish at the D cell. Yeah, yeah. So while while I was at the D cell, living away the great cruel blokes, um, we had another daughter, Estella, and um, yeah, like. It was all well. So Trish had the two young girls and then I got this opportunity to, to go to Queensland. Um, you're probably well aware that the gas was taking off and it was a thing and I was in construction and there was mega projects all around the country. And uh, I got offered a role. I was actually pursuing it and I got offered to get off the tools and that was my dream. So I'd done all this study. And so in my last year at the D-Cell, I was like the last safety guy. So I got off the tools at the D-Cell because I was just so persis- persistent. I kept annoying them and say, hey, I'm keen on this. Let the red fella have a swing. And, um, yeah, I finally got, I was the last safety person, uh, at the D cell and, um, yeah, they ended up taking me to Queensland, which was brilliant. And so same a, company. Yeah. So I was actually working for subby at the D cell, but then in the end, like we were subbing, we ended up getting the defect period. So I worked between operations and the construction teams and they didn't get along really well, handed over the project. So, um, but it worked for me, you know, I got to hone the skills, learn how operations works. I had a construction background, so you know, and knew how to work in with blokes and, and you know, influence outcomes. And, uh, yeah, so I went to Queensland. So Trish had two little girls, like, really young at home. And it was, you know, it was tough and kudos to my wife. She loves being a mum, Teggy, so it comes natural to her. And we've got a great support network. I couldn't have done this without, like, my wife's family's close proximity, um, family, friends. And the community's amazing that we live in. 
But yeah, went away and I was like nine months there on a two and one and a two and two roster come up with the company I work with now. So that's like two weeks on, two weeks off. And it was subbing and... Um, so you were doing two and one? I was, which I was trying to renovate a house in Grovey and finish that. To, we wanted to move into the Torquay house. But so two on, one off. off. It seems not enough. It, correct. So you lose time in your travel as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this two and two roster come up, you know, two weeks on, two weeks off. And I was like, how good is this? And it was on a day rate. And, um, yeah, it's like, part of me, I had mates that, that went across this project. And I was like, okay, I'm coming too. And, um, yeah, so I started there with them uh, 2014, uh, worked through to 2018. We had another child, Tierra, so three girls in that period. Two and two lifestyle, amazing. But then 2018, some cuts come along and um, I had the chance to come home. There was another mega project. You probably heard of the Westgate Tunnel Project. And old managers, like, he seen my CV and I just threw it in. I wasn't sure I wanted to leave, but, you know, my job was up in the air and, yeah, my name got pulled and caught up with him for coffee. But, yeah, I wasn't sure if I had a job. And it come down to the wire and then I had people in Queensland saying, hey, Juddy, got a spot for you if you want to stay. And I was seesawing, mate. And I suppose for the right reasons, which we can touch on right now, I actually come home. And um, lucky enough, I actually got a redundancy. That's another story. We won't go there today. But um, just paid off the house, three beautiful children. Um, we are living at Torquay, so we'd build a house not far away from you here and did you build it yourself no no we've done bits and pieces so you, no, I, I'm, I'm just just to jump in quickly and say uh, i would hate to build a house for you <laughs> <laughs> because you're a fucking qualified plumber and chippy and like you'd be looking at every aspect of the job under a microscope i'm i'm sure yeah yeah look oh, look i suppose i wasn't the dream client um but, uh, yeah, look, even there, like, I remember slipping the Tyler um, a, a, a case of beers, I suppose, and got a key cut, and I could go in and check the defects, and I could write him a list, and, like, how the hell does he know this? Like, he's away. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people, right? And um, there's a couple of little uh, Swifties that they tried pulling on me, but, uh, you know, you live and learn. And But, uh, look, overall, we got a good product, and I was grateful for the trades, I suppose, that sort of gave us guidance. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um. So you came home. Yeah. So I came home and in Melbourne, life's great. We, at the time, you know, we paid off the house at that stage. But um, yeah, like a month into it, we knew something was wrong. Like our middle child, Estella, like um, gastro was going around the area in a big way, and uh, she was um, having headaches and vomiting. But like one of my mates' children, she had gastro for over a week. It went through Barwon Heads, I think, first, and then ripped through Torquay and. Anyway, this went on, mate. This probably went on close to a month. And I remember telling work at that stage, like the old employer I worked for, which I'm back at now, something's not right at home and I I can't put my finger on it, but I can't leave. I have to stay here. That's why I took the job in Melbourne. But my wife, like mum on a mission, like something wasn't right. And then I remember the in-laws, beautiful in-laws. So you'd been to the doctor and everything? Oh, mate, yeah. So we'd been to general GPs. We'd been to the Epworth, Geelong Hospital. But she'd get these headaches even later on in the day at school and then vomit. And gastro has been and gone by this stage. And my wife, mum, on a mission, she went into the um, Geelong Hospital one day and said, you can, I want to give my, I want my child to have an MRI. And you can imagine how many kids, right, going with a sniffly nose. Like, no, we're not giving your child an MRI, uh, MRI. No scans. 
Trish goes, no, you don't understand. This has been going on too long. She, I'm not leaving with her until we get a scan. A doctor again refuses, apparently. Anyway, Trish dug her heels in and um, she goes, righto, I'll do it for your own peace of mind, right? Anyway, apparently the um, the doctor come back and apologised and she looked a bit upset and she goes, your daughter, she's got a tumour, the back of her brain. Surreal. And I remember where I was, Teggy. I was um, in Melbourne actually doing a confined space course, so the other side of Melbourne. Back reunited with some workmates that I hadn't seen for years. I'd worked away with these guys, so it was awesome, mate, having a fat old time, <laughs> chewing the fat, what have you been up to? And it was 4.30, I'd just walked out of the course and introduced to some bloke that I'd been on mega projects with but never got to really meet him, heard great things about him and just walking to my car and then all of a sudden Trish calls and I answered and, yeah, the voice, like she's like, Mm. Estella's just had a scan. There's a tumour. Get your ass to the children's hospital. We're actually in an ambulance going there now. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, The guy I actually had with me that I actually picked him up on the way through to the confined space course this guy's got an amazing backstory, like ex-Special Forces in South Africa. Crazy backstory, right? Yeah, seen a lot. Um, he knew about cancer and other things, and it was just, I don't know, like divine time. We talked about mentors and people being with you. He sort of calmed me and sort of walked me through the process because I was shaking. I was in shock. Disbelief, mate. I was like, this is, a, this is not real. Um, dropped him at the train station in the city and I went through to the children's and I remember pacing up and down and yeah, that night went in more tests and scans. So it was like a day later, a day before Estella's sixth birthday, she had major brain surgery. So when you first got there, she was like coherent. Yeah. Yeah. She was fine, mate. Like we, you know, we could talk like this and she didn't probably understand what was going on and why mum was so upset and, um, yeah, I remember meeting my wife there in the outpatients at the Royal Children's Hospital. And, um, yeah, it, sorry, it's surreal. It's um, Wife's upset, obviously, emotionally. And, yeah, I just trying to comfort and try to wrap my head around what was going on. But, yeah, it was like only maybe two days or a day later, a day before her sixth birthday, she had major brain surge. They removed a tumour the size of a golf ball out of the back of her cerebellum. And, um, yeah, it was medulla blastoma. And there's certain genes, and, I, again, I'm not clued up like Trish is. But, um, yeah, the scar was up the back of her neck. And um, what was it? The whole community just after that rallied around us and raised funds. It was a longboard club. And you'd, I imagine, you know, a lot of the local um, punters that are there and a lot of local businesses rallied around us and community members. Um, absolutely amazing. And from the bottom of the heart, we, um, we thank, thank everyone. Um, that supported us through our journey but um, after a brain surgery we actually used the funds that were raised and we did a um, a bucket list trip we went actually went to Canada so straight into um, Calgary I think it was a week after Stampede we um, you know went to uh, Lake Louise and stayed in Banff which was stunning right hold on, hold on, hold on. with Stella yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah after the surgery after the surgery just yeah. before um was it before radiation? Or it might have, sorry, it was after the radiation. She went then into, she had about a month off and then went into um, six weeks of radiation, which is brutal. You know, leaves you apparently with a metal taste in your mouth. And the worst thing that happened, they made this like tight-fitting mask and had to put her into a, in a machine, you know, to do the radiation therapy. Absolutely hated it. 
it's terrible what people have to go to go through there and um yeah so after that got out of that and she was well enough that um yeah we did this trip of a lifetime so yeah drove through the icefields parkway something else mate like canada canada going through you know through to jasper and the lakes something else and just that experience and time that we got to experience as a family um we stayed at some friends in edmonton and then again we um yeah, we went, actually went to LA and then took the kids to Disneyland, which is bucket list for them, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I actually got to go to the US Open and watch the uh, the surf and skate in Huntington, which is so cool. Um, but Disneyland was something else. And, uh, yeah, our sister-in-law with our little one, she flew over at the time. And that was, it was just something that the kids, you know, will take to their grave. And that's the local, you know, local people, businesses, community getting around us. And, yeah, that is just... From the bottom of our heart, thank you. Um, yeah, so we come back and, um, yeah, she uh, had seven months of chemo. Seven months. Which chemo is brutal. Again, for anyone going through cancer treatment, um, yeah, my heart, you know, heart's with you. It's, um, yeah, it's a tough process. And then she went through that and then she was in remission. And my wife always knew if this type of cancer come back, it was bad news. But for me, I was sort of like in denial. I was like, you know, with the technology we have to these days and therapies, yeah, we're going to beat, we're going to beat it. Right? Yeah, yeah. But it come back and it moved this time. So she'd had the, the golf ball size tumor at the back of the brain. So this time, this, uh, this time is like, there's a tumor, sorry, not a tumor. There's like a curtain that runs through the center of the brain and a little speck turned up on the right side of the brain. And my wife, she was onto it pretty much. And um, so we had a biopsy, had that removed, and then back into another trial. So they're trials of chemos, right? And, um, yeah, found out it's cancerous, et cetera, et cetera. And I was still in denial. I was still, you know, I thought she was going to beat it. Always, never deviated. Just my belief is she's going to beat this. She's a tough kid. Um, and then, you know, back in remission, but then, was it just before 2020, or no, sorry, early 2020, she had another scan. And we went into the hospital and uh, poor thing, she lit up like a Christmas tree. So not only all around the brain, but um, down the spinal cord as well. Oh, fuck. And um, yeah, that's when it hit me, mate. I was like, my world come crashing down, I suppose. Um, yeah, it was a crazy time. COVID had just started, so no one actually knew what COVID was, and that was crazy enough. So we couldn't go over and get alternative treatments in the States. We were blocked, like, at stage. Like, I only let one into the hospital with Estella. The world's falling apart, and your world's completely falling apart. Yeah, I thought it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah, well, well it was. Yeah. And um, I remember just thinking, because life's fleeting, I remember being in the lobby right at the end, of Stell's life and um, I was getting like Stell liked the boost juice drinks and so I'd go down and get her one and I was just thinking when's this fucking going to be over right this nightmare when's it going to end mate I'd give anything to go back to that time now because I just remember it and then it was just like click of the fingers and her life like you know she departed the land of living this life here it was crazy but I suppose the silver lining through COVID was that um I just started, I actually went back to Queensland because what happened was I got offered my old job back and um, they said, Juddy, you don't know anyone, a good permanent authority, do you? <laughs> I said, why? 
how much and when? And they said, oh, we want you now. But I said, look, I can't go. This is, and they knew the backstory because I'd kept in touch with a lot of the people. But what happened is like I was doing massive hours at, on the West Gate and um, I was drowning myself in work, I'll be honest with you. It was like a coping mechanism. I was like, you know, smiling, putting on a front and I could talk about it. But like always, mate, I just try and push and grip my teeth and, you know, I'll get through this. We'll get through this. Yeah. Just that belief. Whatever it takes, I'll run through that wall and we'll keep running through those walls. The dogged rover. <laughs> oh, yeah, the red dog, mate. And, um, yeah, but I was starting to fall asleep behind the wheel on that west gate. and Literally? Yeah, I had some safety features um, save me. I had finally got a work vehicle and, yeah, it started beeping. I remember waking up and, and then marriage was strained as well. Like poor Trish, what she was doing. Like we had people looking after other kids. Our in-laws were amazing. Other people doing bits and pieces. We had meal packages left at our front door, people cleaning our oven. It was amazing, like the love. Again, I, I can't stop saying that. was just so grateful. But Trish come to me one day. She goes, look, our marriage, like, we're just hanging on here. And um, I still wasn't convinced about going back to Queensland. But Estella come to me, right? And she goes, Dad, the other girls, they don't get to see you like I do. You come to the hospital after work. And so, yeah, in the last three months, I took the job back in Queensland. I just said to them, I need to hear that, that if I need to go, this is my circumstances. I don't know if and when I can be back. And uh, what happened was because of COVID, I did two swings and then, um, yeah, Stella got this bad diagnosis and I was only two swings in and I remember making the phone call, but COVID hit, so I was working from home, which was a godsend, right? And I got to spend the last three months um, of her life, you know, working from home, which, yeah, I'm super grateful for. Was she at home with you? Yeah, she was. So um, I remember the conversation even with palliative care, like it all got real when they took us into a room and worked through that. But yeah, she got to spend, um, you know, her final days at home, which was amazing, right? And um, in her final hours, Tiggy, you know, all the life experiences that you have through life, what we did is we, um, and probably like you, you got everyone's got plenty of photos on their phone. We're flicking through photos and your hearing's the last thing apparently to go. So she couldn't see. She could only just move her finger every now and then. She was on morphine and couldn't communicate right at the end. But we sat in bed, well, laid in bed with the other kids for a couple of days and just flicked through photos and told stories. And every now and then you could feel her um, little finger move or whatnot. And, you know, it was all the, you know, the beach trips or the, the trip in Canada or, you know, being with Omar and Opa or visiting my parents or whatever and or being a rat bag when it was growlers playing in the sandpit throwing sand at each other or... All those life experiences, you know, the trips down to the lawn, that's where it all added up. All life experiences, everything we've done as a family, that's where life is. That's where the gold's at. And I remember it was just flicking through and I was like, oh, wow, I forgot about that. And just the storytelling was amazing. Um, yeah, so still passed away May, end of May 2020. And because um, of COVID, I think we could only have 50 at the funeral and... Um, yeah, thank you. I'll just put this out there to Clats from Ocean Grind. It was hard to even have a wake at the time and we used to go there for as a family and we still do for a coffee and many other horns, but it was a favourite one. And, um, yeah, he opened up the space and, yeah, as you know, COVID was just a crazy time. 
and uh, yeah, and I was working from home. And um, again, thank you to the company that I work for now. You know, support me through that period. I worked for home all the way from I think it was March 2020 all the way through December 2020. Um, but it, it allowed us as a family to get our oxygen mask on, I suppose, and um, yeah, find ourselves, mate. And yeah. Yeah, Man, was, what the fuck, you know. But, you know, there's plenty of lessons, you know, in Estella's life. Um, Sorry, how old was she? Uh, Estella was um, just turned eight, so her yeah. she just had her 11th birthday the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so many lessons in her beautiful uh, young life. And she was like an old soul. Like one day, I remember, close to the end, she'd fallen over near the toilet and mum went up to her and sort of picked her, scooped her up. And then I remember mum was crying and Trish tells me this story. And, yeah, Stell put her arm around her mum and said, don't cry, mama. It's all right. Everything's going to be all right. Like just she would always care about everyone else, T. Yeah. Um, it, it's something to be said about taking your eyes off yourself, right, and caring for someone else. Like even for me, you know, you might feel like you're having a bad day, but... Go and do a good deed for someone. You want to feel good? Go and help someone else. Um, she taught so much and so many people. Um, the way she used to love to dance, she was really artistic, but just beamed love and light. Um, but in her final moments, um, I made a promise to Estella that Dad was going to do something great and help people. And I just couldn't get clear on what that was. But I remember over and over, I kept promising her. I was holding her hand and she couldn't communicate. And, um, yeah. Did that Was that coming from her and you in a conversation? Or is it how was, it was just welling up in you? It was yeah. welling up in me. Like, you know, how leaving a legacy for this little one. And I just yeah. showed you. I've actually, you can see it at the moment. I've just worn it today. I feel very privileged, mate, for having me on. And a lot of our good friends have come on the potty. I do love it. But I've got this little imprint. So it's just like this little metal imprint where Estelle, we pushed her finger into this like um little gel. I don't know what it was like, a little button. Mm. And her fingerprint was imprinted. And this company, you send it away. So we did a few of them and they send them away and they've made little, you know, like these little gems that go onto necklaces or bracelets. And it's of Estelle's fingerprint, right, which is pretty cool. So I've worn that in today. But... um. Yeah, because I'd made this promise, you know, you can't back out on this, right? And I think I made it so I can't back out, I'll be honest. And I just couldn't get clear on how I was going to help people. And we just talked about mentors um, earlier. And I actually reached out to a mate. I've seen this, um, there's a podcast, The Property Couch, that I listened to. And uh, I'd hang, when I was going, when Stell was going through cancer treatment, I'd drive back once a week from Melbourne. It'd come on on a Thursday. And Bryce would always, and Ben, they'd just, always a nugget of gold that would drop. And it, I was hanging for something, like just give me something and I could apply. So what was the podcast? What's it called? Uh, just so we drill in on that. Yeah, The Property Couch. The Property Couch, yes. So it's um, it's about property, money management and finance, right? But they'd always drop, you know, a nugget of gold or a couple during an episode and something that you could apply. And I used to love that. It's like, give me something, please give me something. In, in a in a like a, a practical life sense, or in a financial sense, or a spirit, like what in Any, context? Anything. anything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, Bryce has turned into a, not only a mentor but a good friend of mine now. But um, yeah, always some good life advice. Or there was a book because I, while I was driving to Melbourne, 
I did so much input. Like I've got like over 200 bo- audio books on Audible on my oh, phone. Wow. Yeah, okay. And um, yeah, like input equals output. And uh, yeah, I actually reached out to um, Bryce and said, uh, like I sent an email to Empower Wealth. That's the company that they run through. The Property Couch is obviously their podcast. But um, I said, yeah, you're a local. I've seen you at school drop off. Uh, I didn't want to annoy you there, but would you be interested in catching up for a coffee? I'd want to learn how to podcast and you've got a growth mindset. And uh, yeah, I actually caught up with him on the waterfront for coffee and um, yeah, we're talking along and he's giving me some tips on podcasting, etc. And um, they said, oh, you may know my daughter, Estella, you may know my backstory because obviously most people don't want to bring it up. And he's like, pause, is that your daughter that the monument's of at the school? And I said, yeah, that's it. So uh, that was a game changer and he said, I'll oh, come over and meet uh, my wife. And um, yeah, we used to go for rides out to Bells or during COVID, point at us like once a week and stare at the stars and just someone I could unpack life with, you know, just provide, just holding space and supportive space too. But there was nothing, you know, off the cards and so good, man, and stare at the stars and some nights we'd get back in at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, right? But it was really cool. And, um, yeah, that's how I suppose the men's group, which I suppose we'll touch on later on, um, that we've started now, that's how that was hatched. Like I wanted to podcast and, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan and not Tim Ferriss. Some of the podcasts listen to, I'm not John Teague and, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but yeah, he's like, you're you, but he goes, mate, he goes, you're so good at sharing your story. And he goes, mate, the amount that I've learned, the amount of wisdom, you know, life lessons that you've shared, how about you share them with others? And it was all formed. It was all through connection and storytelling. And um, I was like, right. And I said, well, how are we going to do this? And, um, yeah, he's like, well, just throw on a Barbie, mate. And uh, that's how the first, I suppose, Dig Wellbeing session was uh, how it started. But um, And did when that first one, did you have a name, Dig Wellbeing? Yeah, yeah. So during COVID, I'd actually worked on a framework, which I didn't want to show anyone. And mm. I actually showed another mate. We'd had a couple of beers one day and... <laughs> I sort of kept this thing locked away. I didn't want to show anyone. <laughs> Dirty secret. <laughs> yeah. But I enjoyed working on it. And he's like, mate, this is really, really good. Why don't you share it with the world? And it's like, oh, no, nah, I haven't got this right. I haven't got that right. And yeah. that's not how it started. It was actually over a leadership um, meeting in Queensland. I actually met the CEO of the company I work for now, you know, so an AXX top 50 company. Had a couple of beers there and... What, was it an, uh, a work party? Or? Yeah, 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 at the middle of nowhere in Queensland. But the CEO, not often they come to site, and me being me, I seen him and made a beeline for him. It's like, I want to, you know, this guy's like six, six foot eight, six foot ten, big guy. And I was like, he looks pretty friendly. Oh, I wanted to speak to the big fella. Anyway, I think 45 minutes later, a couple of beers later, um, amazing. He's like, why haven't you started? Oh, I haven't got this right. And I'll be honest, I had, you know, paralysis by analysis. Yeah, yeah, stuck yeah. in my own head there. Yeah. He's like, mate, just start. And he goes, he dangled the carrot tag. He goes, if you can get started, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get behind you in some capacity. But get started, keep me informed, and see how you go. Well, I actually bumped into Frank the next morning at the coffee shop, middle of nowhere. Just coincidentally. Yeah, yeah, with all the leadership team. They were all there as well. Great little coffee shop. And, uh, yeah, the executive GM starts asking me uh, questions and the CEO, like, he does not miss a beat. 
And the executive GM, Andrew, goes, Juddy, where are you from? And the CEO just turns down because he's a big unit, turns down, looks at him and me, goes, ah, oh, he's a hipster from Torquay, and starts riffing off my backstory like, does not miss a beat. Anyway, Frank gets his coffee, the all-leadership team do, and starts walking off. And then he must have got 10 metres away, and all of a sudden I hear this voice. He's like, Juddy. I turn, and he goes, Juddy. And I go, oh, Frank. He goes, remember what I told you? If I don't get to catch you before I fly out today, just start. We'll get behind you. I love people like that. Yeah, and I have, mate, and true to his word, which I suppose we'll get to later on. Um, yeah, he's organised some stuff, and, yeah, we're working through to be a non-for-profit at the moment, which is amazing. So how, how long have has Dig been going now since that barbecue? Yeah, yeah, so I went home that R&R, and, um, yeah, we... Uh, just threw a barbecue on, got the framework out, and I just shared my backstory in the backyard, right, warts and all, and just, I suppose, gave a bit of a brief overview of the highs and lows, and and some of the lows, mate, I remember the day after the funeral, like, the, during the funeral, everyone was like, oh, you know, you guys are amazing, and, you know, I can't believe that you got up and spoke about, you know, it was so powerful, and then the next day, after the funeral, it was like a caged lion, pacing up and down in the house, couldn't get out of my own head, just full of anger. Anyway, something bobbed up, something stupid, and I remember just losing my shit with my wife. It was uncalled for. It was terrible. And but you lost it her not because of the action that happened, but because of what was happening in between your ears. Hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it was in front of the kids, and it wasn't one of my finest moments. Right, I was pretty dark, mm. and it was just like bang the lids off. Anyway. Um, my wife's amazing she's full of wisdom and it was like a kick between the balls like she said a couple of words that hit me fair and square i needed to hear and um called me a phony from the day before and a few other bits and pieces and i went upstairs and you know curled up in the fetal position and bald must have been for 45 to an hour and it'd come to me all the growth and input that i'd done had come to me i was like righto you have a choice here you take the dark path, you're about to lose your beautiful kids downstairs, they're watching her. You're going to lose your wife, all your family and friends. What's life going to look like? And I looked into that dark abyss, mate, and I did not like what I saw. It was not good. I was like, well, or otherwise, this is what life's going to look like. You can put your tail between your legs, you can go downstairs, wrap your arms around your family, and tell them you're going to make a go of this, and you're going to lead the family out of this. And you will get through this. And that's what I did, mate. And that was a choice. Because, you know, you've man search for meaning, Victor Frankel. You know, you can, in life's adversity, you can still choose your attitude. I'm a bit of a Victor Frankel fan, mate. And one of the, the quotes that I love from him, and this is probably later on, that I got, I used to stare to, used to go out the back and lay and stare at the stars. I don't know if you like the stars, but there's plenty of questions that I have. Oh, don't start me on the stars. <laughs> but it was like, love them. What's the fucking meaning to life, right? Yeah. Wrong question. Yeah. <laughs> it is the wrong question. And I still catch myself with this when I even doubt myself or feeling down. Victor Frankl says, you know, Life's asking us the questions and how are you going to respond to life's questions? Because life demands, you know, an answer and action. So through action, not through just words and thought, but taking action. 
So, you know, as I said before, and this is on Bryce's podcast, Knowledge is Empowering, but I actually act on it. Mm. You can actually take imperfect action. You know, you can get some momentum. Even if it's a wrong action, you can course correct. Mm. But. Well, yeah, uh, a good friend of mine, he, um, he's actually got red hair too. He always says. Born to, to <laughs> he says, I love it. He goes, uh, action beats inaction every time. Yeah. Momentum. It's a big thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that action, that that sort of stuck with me and that book that I got that out of was, um, I think it's Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. If you want to, any audience want to le- read a, or listen on Audible, a great, great, great book. There's like little snippets of his life. And, uh, oh, sorry, like of this, you know, the talks that he'd given. It just resonates. There's so many lessons in there. And we talked about mentors earlier. Like mentors can be a book. It can be an audio. Same could be, the, you know, there's nuggets of gold in, in this podcast here, right? Um, you can get it off a friend. You can get it from something on YouTube. Well, it's amazing what what comes into your orbit when you need it. I, I, I like, you know, I don't believe in coincidence, you know, and I've been struggling with a hip thing uh, for ages, but it seems to be it's grinding on me a bit at the moment. And I stumbled. I love to start the day with a YouTube and a coffee. And I stumbled onto this YouTube that was all about um, – like, oh, fuck, I've forgot the name now, but it was like animal movements. Yeah. Oi. Speaking of animals. Pr- yeah, primal. <laughs> Frankie. Primal movements. And it's like, um, uh, so all taking your body mechanics back to the floor and how we used to move around as children or, or as animals move. Frankie. Sorry. <laughs> um, that was a cue, mate. Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah, perfect timing, Frankie. Good girl. And uh, and so I did this half an hour workout this morning, which is like, and it's just, I don't know, like it just felt like I, this fell into my lap, but it wasn't a coincidence. I don't think that this, these these foundational movements that are so basic that I haven't been doing, but I do everything else. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. So so just on that, even before I get into the dig, like the first session, I think I was sharing with you early. Uh, earlier, so my mate Bryce gave me a book. It's called um, "Building a Story Brand" by um, Donald Miller. And if you guys haven't watched it, like, are you going to leave me this note? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to leave you this, bro. Um, but have you you've watched Star Wars yet? Yeah, oh, epic film. But the hero's journey, yeah. you know, full of its ups and downs. Well, yeah. I'm a massive fan of Joseph Campbell, and there's like, if you want to watch something, it's like there's an interview Joseph Campbell and Bill Moyes, and um, yeah, you can watch it on YouTube. There's six episodes, and it runs through mythology, and I love it. And there's some takeaways out of this, and I'll run through the hero's journey in a second. But one thing that I love is, you know, that all, I suppose, religions and mythologies, they're all very similar about birth and rebirth and, you know, about growth. And you know the fears? The, the, the dark side, the light side? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's all about going in. You know, you look at, um, you know, I suppose the Chinese, the dragon. The dragon's inside you. The growth's inside you. And that's about doing the, you know, the inner work. So what it, there's in all of us is a good wolf and a bad wolf and whoever wins that fight is the one that you feed the most kind yeah. of ethos? Yeah, I, I suppose so. But the growth, it's all about going inside. Like it, there's external events, but it's internal. That's where the doubt, the self-fear, the work is, the inner work. But I'll just give you some of the hero's journey. I've only just jotted that this down this morning. But um, there's this book, if anyone, in the, um, I suppose, listening that wants to build 
you know, a story around their business or their life. This one here by Donald Miller, Building a Story Brand, is amazing. And uh, usually this is just a little snippet out of the book, but a character who wants something encounters a problem before they can they can get it. At the peak of their despair, a guide steps into their lives, gives them a plan and calls them to action. That action helps them avoid failure and ends in success. So basically, just out of the book, you know, you've got a character. Let's just look at Star Wars. So the character, the hero, Luke Skywalker, he has a problem, right? He gets destabilized. So usually there's like an external problem. But the external problem is he must defeat the Empire, right? You follow me here? Yeah, I'm picking up what you But then there's an internal problem. What's the internal problem? Is he a Jedi? Yeah, he's thinking, am I good enough? Well, he can't get it for a while, can he? Well, that's right. And then there's also... Um, you know when he's in, the, in, he's in the swamp and yeah. he can't lift the thing out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's a great film. He's like, ah, fuck! But then there's a philosophical one. So it's like good versus evil, right? You were just talking about the dark versus the light a second ago. And then who should appear? He meets a guide, so Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, you know, he lived as a Jedi. So a mentor. What does a mentor give him? Gives him a plan. Trust the Force. And what do they do? They call him to action. Go defeat the Empire. Yeah? Then what does it do? It helps him to avoid failure. So the rebellion is crushed. Yeah? And it ends at its success, right? The rebellion avoids defeat. That's the hero's journey. So we watch so so, so many movies in Hollywood are played out that way. Yeah? Most. It's a, it's a journey. It, it, yeah, it's the blueprint for most story. 100%. And I suppose that even goes back to, you look at, I suppose, you know, um, back into, I suppose, years gone by. Um, you know, there's usually a rite of passage and it's part of storytelling. There's paintings in caves and there's myth. There's myth in Christianity. There's myth in Buddhism. There's, yeah. But all the stories are really similar. What are the parables? What are the meanings behind those stories? Well, look, honestly, like I, I love it all. And I, this is what my own struggle with, uh, we're not talking about religion, but I'll draw on it. It's like, you know, I believe in some higher something and I can't articulate what that is other than there's a force, I think, like in Star Wars. The divine. The, the, is God. In, right. And there's a million labels for it, but, yep. yes, you can boil it down to those words god or the force the universe, <laughs> or, the universe. yeah and then i yeah. think there is a good a light and a dark because there has to be uh for the balance of life mm. and so but my problem is is there's so many religions in the world that like now we can all be accepting but if you go into what what is it when you're an extreme, so all people are like, no, mine is the right one. Well, how the fuck? That's so ego driven that your religion is and and all the others are wrong. Mm. I, I don't understand that, and I do understand religion, and I think it's a great thing, and I think it gives good principles and a great and it's very, uh, it's 
it's it's an um, you know it's community based. Mm. It gives people a place to congregate and meet and talk and feel part of community and in in good morals. Uh, but the part where people like you know the the Catholics and the Protestants wouldn't get along because they're two different fucking it's like fuck yeah yeah anyway sorry I, I, I digress yeah but like for me is what are the principles and the you know the story behind it, it all comes back to storytelling right yes but, which is the oldest what is it it goes back to the the pyramids or it goes back to the ice age they can trace it right back well I think acting is the second oldest job in the world. Yeah. And do you know what the first one was? I don't want to say it. <laughs> don't. So, Adam and Eve, I don't know. Settling your body. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, I love it. It's like, what are the principles? And if you peel it right back, I think most religions, and this is what Joseph Campbell does so well, a lot of them are the same. That's his book, A Hero's Journey? Oh, no, he's just got, like, Hero of a Thousand Faces. But if you watch this this interview with Bill Moyes, you will get you know, you'll get so much out of it. There's only like six episodes about now each. I think I actually sent it to you to have a look at. But one one bit that really resonates with me, mate, is people talk about eternity. Like, I don't know whether you go to heaven or wherever that place is. Eternity is now. It's actually in you. It is now nothing but the present. That is all there is. And you can do that by some meditation. I do it sometimes now with some breath work or in my sauna. Um, but I love that. This is eternity right now. We're living this conversation. There is only nothing but. Well, hold okay. So right now, right, right now, all the way through the universe into infinity is only right now. I always think about this one. Yeah. <laughs> when you like, when you're looking at the stars and you think that fuck goes further than we can actually ever comprehend anything, but we're all in alignment right now. Still, right now, there's no backward or forward. There's, all the way through the universe right now. Do, do you want me to say it again? I love it. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> Bit of fat boy slim right here, right now. Right here. Uh, yes. Well, fuck. So, it is like it is crazy that that's where you can de- debunk that time is a construct because there's only now. Well, that's human. Joseph Campbell says it that time is a human construct. The way we measure it. Wow, where do we go with this, T? Uh, <laughs> well, let's go back to dig. <laughs> so okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is, it is, it is. I, I'm, I love thinking about the infinite, mm. the infinite, infinite of it all, and we try and make so much sense around what life is, what it means to be human, what you have to do to be a good human being or a bad human being, or whatever the fuck we've got to do to, to pay the bills. Yet. We are living in this vastness in the middle of I don't know what it is, and yet we're like, yeah, I know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm cool. Yeah. You know, like, fucking what? Just expand out there for a second and, and really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, we're all connected. I don't know how, but, um, yeah, I do love well, that. quantum, there it is. It's quantum physics. Yeah. Can prove the connectivity of all things. Mm. And someone was talking about AI to me yesterday and they were like, well, the thing that everyone's missing is where quantum computing is going. Mm. And if quantum computing is going anywhere like where my mind thinks it is because quantum physics proves the connectivity of all things, I don't know what what, or where, but we're in for an interesting next 10 years. Yeah, like you can look at it and you can get pretty dark on it, but you can also look at it and go, wow, I'm getting questioned here. How am I going to respond to life's questions? 
And like Victor Frankl says, it's all through action, mate. So we get to ride this roller coaster called life and experience it. You're just being questioned. How are you going to respond, Teggy? Pinch an ouch. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of ouches if you talked about the hero's journey, but oh. if we just switch gears and go back to dig. Yes, let's go back to dig. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, the barbecue in my backyard, yeah. a few mates around, and everyone's like, Juddy, what is this? Do we have to wear robes? Is this secret yeah. handshakes? And uh, basically, yeah, it's not church, not AA, and it's not fight club. Okay. Everyone goes, well, what is it? Well, hold on. So that, that slogan, I love it, was in your um, the, you know, the brief that you wrote? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, that's it, mate. There's no secret handshakes. Um, but, yeah, it's just normal blokes getting together, connection, connecting and storytelling because we've all got a story, right? And I've just shared some of mine before. And that's basically with um, with Bryce how we hatched the idea is just Juddy throwing a barbecue and then Frank's like, well, just start. So we did, and we got a couple of fire pits going, and I just shared my story and had shared the framework, which, um, yeah, actually people responded to not too bad, which I was scared to show, you know, unveil something that I'd worked on, I suppose, for a while. And, and uh, yeah, it's pretty basic, but, um, yeah, what is, what is DIG and what does it stand for? So if you dig something, what do you think it means to you? Oh, I'm into it. Yeah, you like it or you understand it. Or I'm digging a hole. Yeah, 100%. What's a, you know, hole's a pretty dark place, yeah? Yeah, there's yeah. two polar things We've going on. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what's a digger? Uh, Anzac, uh, someone that's gone to war for us. Yeah, or a mate, a friend, yeah. Yeah, or a mate or a friend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, get a dig. Yeah, yeah, go on, dig. There's a bloke I used to work with called everyone dig. Hey, go on, dig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play footy with one of those guys, absolute champion. Everyone was a digger. And, um, yeah, and you know, like, why did they have trenches in World War One? Well, to, so hide from bullets. Hundred percent supportive space. I, I used to say safe space, but it's not safe. You still get shot at and blown up. But yeah, it's a supportive sta- space, right? And basically, that's what we've created at Dig. Is it's just doing imperfect inner growth in groups, right? But through connection and s- storytelling, it's just a supportive group. But we're getting people to come in and share their stories. It's, and so what it started with, with me coming in and then a few others, you know, just sharing the stories and then it started in, we had Walshie come in, give a bit on mortgage broken and financial planning and it's sort of just still in my backyard. I think session two was actually my wife, Trish. She came in and did some breathing. She did like a um, life and um, health coaching course, but she just did some breathing with the boys, which was a massive hit, right? I said, how many boys closed their eyes and got into it? She goes, I was too scared to look off my page, <laughs> you know? But, and then, wow, we, last year, we were lucky enough to get a cancel grant and uh, we run it uh, four pines, so we used $1,000 for food and whatnot and, yeah, got Owie actually come on board because he come to one of the backyard events and he goes, oh, yeah, I dig this, pardon the pun, and, yeah, he come on board and we got the 50-year storm to come in. So then after we had, you know, the awesome, um, you know, meal provided by four pines, up there in the amazing venue on the highway, we went into the National Surf Museum. So thank you for the council and Gons for getting that done. And we had um, Richie Bennett come in and spoke. So world-class mentor, uh, speaker, like he's something else is rich. You know, he's worked with the world's best athletes, as you know, surfers. And then uh, T-Ray, Tony Ray, come in and spoke as well. And 
wowee, the reception in the surf museum. I think there was 50-something blokes in there. Amazing. You know, when you get someone like Owe backing it, get the word out. I don't think, you know, there's not many people that do it uh, any better, right, in promoting no, anything. Yeah. <laughs> and passion and, you know, also his sidekick, Chris Henson. Shout out to one agency. Um, but, yeah, it was it was amazing. And T-Ray just telling about, you know, being in the surf and, you know, the fears and surfing the biggest waves, you know, facing your mortality and in some of the biggest surf. It was a hit. And then, you know, the 50-year storm, well, wow, wee, what they've done and, you know, for mental health and, you know, uh, obviously in Sean's memory is so good. We watched a clip in there that they'd put together. I think you were actually the narrator. Is that right? Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was amazing. And then, yeah, the next day I remember going on Owie's podcast, uh, you know, um, Deep Seeker, which was amazing. So this is another dream. This is like a bucket list for me going on a podcast. But after that, spoke on the big boys' breakfast and we started getting some traction, mate. Um, after that, I think the next session we run was at Happy Spaces. Matty Lawrence, wowee, he's a jet. The space he provides, I think we've run three times at Happy. Great co-working space that we have in our local community in Gilbert Street. Uh, we had um, Mitch come in. Um, I don't know if anyone uh, has used Mitch's services, but he did some um, movement. He's a movement specialist, right? From Live, I think it's Biv, Live... Um, Better longer, I think. Sorry, Mitch, if I've um, muffed that up. Mitch Barrow. But wowee, we've had guys throwing beanbags at each other doing movement because, you know, movement works with the brain. And then Mitch's good mate, Timmy Altman, coming the next one. He's a naturopath, breath coach. We run at the Sands. That was our end of year one last year. Some great lessons learnt there. Um, Tim's a jet. Start of the year off, um, we had went back to uh, Swell Calf. Hey, good Scotty. <laughs> Great venue. We had Michael Sexton come in. Michael, 95 flag player for Carlton, All-Australian twice. Um, work with Danny Green in his title fights and the Oz Open in the tennis. Michael, um, you know, run through Cairo. He's actually my Cairo team working through my hip problems and my range of movements coming right back. He's giving me some core exercises. I check in with Michael when I'm home a couple of times. Um, yeah, he's an absolute jet and gentleman. Um, so then, and then after that, we run in March at Back at Happy. Uh, we had holistic health practitioner Claire Holmes come in, and wowee, I know a lot of my good friends have done work with um, Claire, just taking a holistic view of health. And um, yeah, mate, some stuff I will do with um, with Claire. But yeah, becoming your own health authority—that yeah. was some of my big takeaways. And yeah, I know some great friends of mine that had some amazing results. And then. Um, yeah, friend Bryce organised um, Greg Bellingham to come in the last session that you come in, mate. And, you know, he basically gave his um, program the way of the heart. Yeah. And, you know, his six questions that he have and sort of the first one, you know, are you free? Where are we? What a first question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Scratching my head like... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and like, so, so what is it? And I get this question all the time, but it is just based on connection and storytelling normal blokes getting together um and and what else like you know are we there we just make sure that everyone is like seen and heard with openness no one has to share right it's um but what's come out of it we know guys that have got jobs that guys that catch up for surfs coffee you get out of it what you put in i suppose um but yeah again don't have to share you can just turn up like anyone over 18 is welcome 
Um, the vision for the group is for all men to survive and thrive, so to be healthy, wealthy, wise. And when I say wealthy, that's in abundance. That could mean no, a no, range yeah, yeah. of things, you know, not just monetary or it could be time. Like time's one of those commodities that we all want more of. Yeah, completely. Um, no, honestly, like like my knee jerk was when I heard about dig well-being, I was sort of like, you know, my ears always get, you know, they're like, oh, what's going on here? And then it was like, well, come down. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I'm fuck, yeah. I'll go. And then come to the crunch, you know, it's like it's Sunday night. I'm like, yeah, I could just stay at home. Yep. <laughs> Do I really want to go and, you know, like, and the, the shadow, the darker self was like, no, nah, dude, just hang at home. It's easy. You know that space. Mm. But I'm really glad that I did get on the bike and come down. And there was just, so what was the gentleman's name that spoke? Uh, Greg Bellingham. Greg was great. Like just so much gold coming out of his mouth and just to sit up the back and listen is a privilege. Oh, 100%. And look, if people like love, there's just extending an olive branch to everyone that's listening, any bloke over 18. We are looking to get some younger people down. We did talk about, you know, a rite of passage. And some of the blokes that attend, like we've got people from media like yourself, right, there's anywhere from police, like my brother's policeman or federal police, there's, you know, there's tradies, there's you name it. There is so much to be learned, so many lessons and mentors, right? Yeah, mentors can turn up any way, shape or form. And, um, yeah, successful businessmen, there's you name it that attends. But when you're in there, sorry, Teggy, you're a digger. You are just a mate or a friend. You're not your, your label that you have for your job or whatever you do. I'm just Juddy the Red Dog. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the way it should be in life, I think. You know, like, you know, like we should just be a little bit more like just uh, human. You know, the bravado that sort of is, um, uh, look, it's tricky. Like, but the more you can be like your nice old self, Mm. the easier life is for everyone around, right? Oh, 100%, mate. Like, we're um, gunning to be a not-for-profit, so shout-out to Timmy Kirby at the moment. Looks like he might have landed a, a uh, law firm, local one, to do uh, pro bono work. And that's been a hurdle of ours, just to open it up, because we'd love to remove the $10 uh, entry fee, right? I didn't I didn't pay 10 bucks. I didn't know there was a $10 entry fee. <laughs> well, you do now. But just to cover... Like, yeah, no you know, one asked me for 10 bucks. Oh, well, you're a guest, mate. That's all good. <laughs> There's a few of us, though, and again, if that is a barrier for anyone and anyone would like to come along, um, if you'd like to message, like, uh, we have got a uh, our WhatsApp group. Um, there's I think there's 121 of us on there locally. Um, but, yeah, just if you want to email me, it's info at digwellbeing.com.au. That's spelled D-I-I-G-G. Do you have a website? Don't have a website yet, but we have an Insta handle. So it's D-I-I-G-G underscore wellbeing. So, yeah, you can actually see we just post the um, just some pics of the last sessions and what we've got. Our next um, session is actually this Sunday night, so coming on the 30th of this month. We've actually got Nikki Buckley coming in, or known locally as Nikki Bingham. Um, Nikki lost her mum to ovarian cancer 20 years ago in uh, 2004, and um, she's actually an ambassador for Ovarian Cancer Australia. 
And uh, yeah, her aim is of you know sharing signs and symptoms of the deadly disease in the hope of educating others to look out for early signs, as apparently there's no you know currently no early detection for ovarian cancer. And um, so cool, Nikki's actually bringing her dad Noel in, and he's going to share his experience of heart surgery and you know his journey with prostate cancer. There's so much gold, and like you might only need one of one or two little nuggets in each session. You know, and you can walk away and you might apply them. But, you know, if it doesn't land, it's like chew the meat and spit out the bones, right? Apply what you want to apply. Mm. That's that's just how it is. But it's so cool everyone sharing their life experiences or lessons learned. Um, we've got a massive event coming at the end of the year. Um, I've just caught up with Gus Wallen. I don't know if you know who Gus is, but Gus is a media personality in Sydney on Triple M Radio. He's actually got a foundation, Gotcha for Life. And there's a really cool, guys, if you you care to watch, ABC iView, and it's actually called um, Man Up. Gus's mentor suicided. And he just, I suppose, wanted to find out why. He's, you know, the guy had the perfect life, apparently, and beautiful kids. And I think he had the dates circled, the guy that suicided in his diary from where they, I think it was graduated. I can't remember if it was school or uni, but... You're kidding. Like no, how, I had far, it how far down the track? Yeah, he knew. He had a date. But how far, like, how many years out was this date? Uh, I'm not sure, but Gus will, like, he actually, he'll say it, I imagine, yeah. in his um, in his talk. I was lucky enough to catch up with Gus in Brisbane only the last couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, this series actually, go, like, Gus goes around to farmers, he goes to school communities, he goes to building sites just to unpack it. And his message is really powerful. So we're actually going to open this up. It won't be a men's only event in November. We're actually going to open it up to the whole community. Um, I don't want to give away Gus's gold because... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. There's, but there's what are so the stats much. on like men's suicide? It's fr- frightening. It's... Oh, it's seven blokes a day in Australia. Seven blokes a day in Australia. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's nine, so two are women. Um, and the average age, too, I think we sit in that prime zone. I think it's 18 in their 40s. Um, look, everyone's got life stuff happening, mate. Like everyone's under pressure at the moment, as you know, especially financially. A lot of people at the moment, or you know, or health. There's everyone. Mm. It's a hero's journey. We touched on it earlier before, but I'll just be clear. Like our dig well-being is not a trauma group. Um, we've had a few people reach out, and that's fine. Like people turn up for their own reasons, but we swim way upstream. You like we do play in the growth, just people connection and storytelling. We meet new people. Okay, and then yeah, we we share the stories and lessons. Well, I think it's it's an amazing thing because I think the part of the 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 slinking away is lack of. Well, I don't know. I don't actually know, but I, I imagine to be in a suicidal mind, you don't have anyone. But that might not be true. No, you know, a lot of the people you wouldn't know any different. Um, and I don't fully understand it. I don't claim to be an expert at all, but I love people and I know everyone that turns up. Like they're probably the underlying thing I, that I've taken away with it, and some of the, even the sauna chats that I've had is, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying, Warren Buffett, right? And people that attend there, they they want to grow and be, and be more. Like we're all going to transform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, there's a wonderful space that you've opened up for people who, like, especially off the back of COVID where everyone was so insular. And then I even know now, like, it's hard. I find it hard to go to a party, like, because I don't drink anymore, to go to a party and, and stand there and talk to people who are drinking. I find it really difficult. 
I used to not find it so difficult, but I feel like the two years of just like living here alone basically was like sort of made me really quite insular. And yeah. um, and it's just the night. Anything that pushes you back into the group and that opens up dialogue of things that you don't normally have a conversation with, mm-hmm. you know, or you put yourself into a dynamic of people who want to be better, you know, like or the birds of a feather, you know, which is like it's, it's you're a, a byproduct of your surroundings. Yeah, so it's a it's a great. It is a great thing, you know. I think it's it's amazing what you're doing. Uh, like yeah, I take and I just my hat say, off to you. Not alone by any means. There's like a, a leadership group formed. They were actually worried about me when I was coming home, fly back from Queensland, and we'd run within two days. And they just formed itself, like, and uh, they probably don't want me pointing them out, so I won't. But there's even like my mate Brian lives a couple of doors down. He's organised Nikki, and he's putting bulk work right to organise this. And there's other people organising different bits and pieces. Like it's it's greater than me. It probably started right from my story, but it's it's not about me. Um, yeah, we all we we're all thrive right through everyone doing well in life. It's take your eyes off yourself. So for you, what can I ask? What are some like daily practices that you implement? to help your own well-being? Yeah, that's a really good question. Even just, I'll just go, one of the takeaways that um, Greg shared from the last one is just operating out of my heart, the heart energy, and just making sure that I'm in alignment with my values and, you know, bringing my best self to the table. Um, Saunering's a big one. Yeah. I I, uh, did tell you this morning, if I am, sorry, team, Guy's a bit uh, amped up. Teague's made me a coffee. It is the second <laughs> one. I did warn him. Um, but, uh, yeah, for me, exercise. And Mitch Barrow, he come in and, you know, about movement, how important we're designed to move. Yeah. Um, the core exercise, Michael Sexton says the same thing. Uh, nutrition. We had, like I said, Claire come in. So some of the dietary stuff, like I have chaga mushrooms because it's anti-inflammatory when Stel was going through a cancer treatment. Um, one of the things that uh, I started doing was, yeah, taking ch- chaga and I have mushroom coffee now as well. So, mushroom coffee? Yeah, yeah, some shiitake or lion's mane. I do mix it up a bit. Mm. I have all greens now. I make sure I'm getting greens. Yep. Um, for me, sunlight, getting up and getting sunlight is so important for me. Sleep? Yeah, oh, yeah just the fundamentals. <laughs> yeah. I don't operate that well in much sleep. Mm. I'll try and push through. Um, but, yeah, obviously another one... I suppose is one of the big lessons is just telling my kids how much I love them and knowing that because my mate Bryce, I'll go back to him again and I've learned so much from him. Um, he's like, how do kids spell um, love? T-I-M-E. So my little girl, Tiara, yesterday, Dad, can I go on the tramp? I just dropped what I was doing, bang. And I'll be honest, like we're all busy and, you know, there'll be times where I've prioritised, you know, work. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my wife sent me something that was in the sauna the other night. And uh, my eldest, Lani, I love her. Like, there's a lot of me in her. And, um, yeah, it was, what was it? I don't know. We had, like, a little tear five or something. And none of us would back down, Teague. <laughs> I should have. I didn't. And then I was in the sauna. And I was listening to it. I might have been a podcast or an audio book. And uh, my wife sends me this thing. And she's like... Um, it could have been an over her not taking action, over not cleaning up or homework, and she sent me this thing that, you know, at 85, if you're lucky enough to get that long, you know, live that long, that uh, you won't care that there's shoes left there, you won't care about the marks on the walls anymore. And I'd get that, I'd give anything to go back in time for Estella now. And that's not being a victim, Estella was a gift, right? 
You would. Um, there's actually a great um, share, like frame that Alex Hormozzi uses. He's like like a really big businessman that does a lot on um, socials. But yeah, like a frame where um, imagine you're older, Teague, and you're with uh, you know curled up significant other aches and pains and you know all those old surf injuries you banged up and you're like oh you know i don't know if i'll get out of bed today and this or that and you know can imagine just you have a dream and you go back in time to now you're sitting with a red dog aches and pains and minor beautiful dog frankie's outside you know frankie won't be with you at 85 unfortunately what would you do to come back now in time hmm you know, mm. that's just being present, right, with what no, you have in the here it, and now. It, well, you know, I was thinking, as you said, just before what you said before, is like uh, what you said with Stella, uh, but it's really with everybody in every moment because we don't know who in front of us is around for how long. It's all, you know, we take it for granted that everyone's just going to be around, but it's, it's not. Yeah. It's every moment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame that we squander so many. Well, I do anyway. You know, I can't speak for everybody else. But but the more I can remind myself that, you know, I was in a room also, the, um, Virginia's auntie passed this week and, uh, you know, that was just an acute reminder. She was such a vibrant, beautiful person and uh, um, it was very sort of sudden. And when we were there... Um, and she was, she died peacefully at home and it was, it was very nice. If you were going to, you know, if you were going to go, it was a nice way to go. Uh, I could still, even though her body was there, I could feel her energy, but not from the body. Does that make, yeah. She was there, but she wasn't in. The, yeah, and it was anyway. It's just been a, a very a week of being you know, introspective on that level, um, you know. Fuck, man! Like, you know, I don't know. It's precious. Oh, hundred percent. Life's a gift, and like I, I think I don't know if I shared this yet, but I was scared of death. Oh, fuck me too. Yeah, yeah hugely. I'm not anymore. Yeah, We're, you just nailed it. We're all energy. So I remember when Stella passed, and we dressed her up like a little angel that she is. Um, yeah. I just the the energy leaves the body, but it it's somewhere. Well, quantum physics, man. Hundred percent, whatever you believe in. <laughs> yeah, whatever you believe in, as you say, you know, whatever you are, whoever you are, <laughs> or wherever you are, wherever, you know, at the end of your podcast. Um, who knows what the next round looks like? Do we get another go? Who knows? I like to think we do. I really do. I really do. I, I'm a big, you know, like uh, believer of the 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 reincarnate. Uh, I like, you know, but fucking who knows exactly yeah. who, who we know it. But one of the other things I do more now, and I probably come across this through my job, but I question everything's on the table now. A lot of things I just blindly go and do. You know, in the past, in my younger years, I sort of question everything. You know, in a good way. Yeah, and run a filter over things, and yeah, I like it. You know, like a scientist, as the data changes, so too can my opinion. Well, totally personal responsibility. Nailed it. Right there. That's part of the framework of dig, right? Oh, it's like the most important. You know, you can't, you, you, we can blame everyone, but at the end of the day, we, you've, you know, you've made a decision. 100%. Right or wrong, you've got to own it. What did you learn out of it, you know? Fail, you might have failed in something, but what were the lessons out of it? History doesn't repeat, it rhymes. 
His really doesn't repeat. It rhymes. 100%. Can you break that down for me? <laughs> yeah, well. Frankie, stop drawing that word. <laughs> <laughs> and you see it with wars, right? And uh, Yes. Y- you see it with all, you know, m- make mistakes. It might be the same mistake, but the fundamentals, the principles might be the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Fool me once. Sorry? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Is that right? Similar, similar. Yeah. If I didn't learn that lesson, then it's going to come around again. And the next time, if I don't pick it up, that's on me. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Um, But, yeah, mate, like for now, I just try and bring my, you know, best self, be the best dad I can be, best husband I can be, best friend I can be. Um, It all comes down to serving others. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like this morning, man, I was struggling. I got out of bed and I was like, I cannot get out of first. You know, what What are your hacks? Do you feel like that? Do you ever have mornings where you wake up and you're like, fuck this? No, I can't. No, what's this bad frame of mind? Yeah. Well, you know, before, the human yeah. experience is all the colors. 100% I had it this morning, man. Yeah, okay. Excited. I smashed myself in the sauna last night. And I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, oh, I feel flat. Yeah. I had a coffee and then I had a cold shower. Still and was, not. <laughs> and I was shaking a bit. And I was like, that's just excitement. Yeah. Because, yeah, I was like, I get to speak to the, the great man, JT. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> but, yeah, I was. But then I went outside and I caught up with a mate. I got my van back off him, got some sunshine, started feeling good. Then I got around and had a um, great chat with you and Veronica before I started. And I was like, oh, I feel good. How good is this? Oh, Virginia. Virginia, sorry, my yeah, bad. Yeah, you're good, you're good. My bad. No, no, that's all good. And you so, only just met her. Yeah, so. <laughs> and it's like, life's good. Like, this is great. Say yes to life. Yeah, and like the, the that feeling, man. Not, not always, but like I feel like I get nervous. But nervousness, like, um, it means you care. Or if you're feeling off before I go and do a job mm-hmm. that like I'm, I I, I want to do a good job at, and I'm feeling, uh, it just means that I care, right? Yeah. And sometimes that can be masked as different things that we can't quite see what they are. And I think what you're saying is just you care. And one of the things I've picked up now, there's a book that I read. Um, awareness by Anthony DeMello is like a um, Indian, I think it's an Indian Jesuit priest. And um, the book is amazing. He talks about awareness, awareness, awareness. But if anyone is maybe struggling in some department, it's just a, it's a must read. But in the book, I just learned like um, I've had some times where I've worked away and, you know, emotions, right? They come and go. But I can observe myself as a third person. And I sort of remove myself and I can feel and see the t- tears, but I'm, I've got that awareness now and I can basically, whether, you know, look down on it and observe myself as a third person. And like everything, it, it passes. Yeah. Um, another thing, you know, like Tara Brock, you know, when the black dog starts beating up on the red dog, right, and having a swing, it all happens to the best of us. Is just like that emotion, whether it's fear, or it's anger, or whatever. I just pull out a chair in my own mind and make it comfy and go, "Hey, you can sit. I'm not suppressing you anymore." Just like a beach ball, you know how you suppress it and you hold a ball underwater. Mm. What happens? You got that stored mm. energy. Mm. You let go and it flies out of the water. Mm. It's all right. You can you can hang around. Just pull out a chair. It's cool. You can sit. I know you're going to leave when you're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Acceptance. 100%. To all all the feelings, we just got to feel feel our way through feelings. Uh, this is how because uh, you don't want to feel like that, but if you, unless you accept it and feel through it, it'll store itself in you somewhere. Or labels, 
labels but the feel like feelings i feel like you know like if we oh, i don't want to feel like that don't go away but you got to feel through it yeah or, or you just sit in it right and observe it yeah where does that come from yeah i suppose that and that that's one and the same and then the dissipation like we you know this too shall pass we are all things it's just acceptance of that yeah because once you understand it it passes because as humans we try and fix everything yeah. Don't we? Yeah, no, totally, totally. And it's not acceptable to be down. Don't fix it, just understand it. If you can understand it, root cause, it, things fix itself. This is Anthony DeMello, sorry. Playing on his words here. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Chuddy, I think we are nearly at two hours, and I want to say thank you very much, and I'm going to stell the secret. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this one. So I'll just close out with this. Um, but just hopefully this is a bit Estella. Of, Estella. Yeah. I think Estella, it means heavenly star. So um, quite fitting. But, yeah, a bit of inspiration for your week. So while in remission, my daughter Estella, then seven years old, competed in a sports aerobics competition in Melbourne. A little angel, she, only, she had a port and a peg inserted with barely any hair. Estella danced with the biggest smile on stage as she competed, and as it happened, she won a medal. It didn't matter that it was a follow the leader dance comp, it was her time to shine. After the comp had finished, I carried Estella to the car telling her how proud I was. Estella said, Dad, I knew I was going to get a medal, as I know the secret. I said to Stell, what's the secret? Stell whispered in my ear, Dad, I believed I was going to get a medal and I got one. The secret is to believe. Dad, you just need to believe. Here's to believing everyone. Bye. Jody. Thank you so much for coming over, man. Thanks, Tiggy. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There was my chat with none other than the Red Dog, Juddy, Michael Judd. Thank you so much for tuning in, those of you who are still here listening. And for uh, to you, Juddy, thank you so much for coming over, man, and, and just keep doing the good work. It's, it's unreal. It's unreal what you're doing. Uh, and I think it's really important. It's an important cog for our society moving forward into this unknown time, you know, Quantum computing, AI, consumerism, corporatism, um, the defranchising of the human condition to some degree, I believe. Uh, so let's keep let's keep keep the dialogue going. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. As always, I, I just I just love doing this. I love the process. Um, yeah. So uh, until next time, you know, stare up at the stars. Ask the questions, personal responsibility, be good to thyself and thy neighbor, I guess. <laughs> Until it comes to up as at Winky and then you can just turn into a fucking animal and just and just go for it, you know. It's like playing football these days, surfing Winky Pops. I, 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 it's closer to a footy game than, 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 the, the, uh, than the act of um, just going for a cruise and having a nice time. Blah, blah, blah. I hope you're well out there. Until next time, adios.